And we looked at this just a little bit this morning with our service. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. But I want us to look at a little bit different part of this. And it says in verse 4, the Word gave life. So Jesus, we saw this morning, is the Word of God. He is the one that God put in the very beginning where we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now we see that His name was the Word in the Old Testament. And every time we see the Word came, it was Jesus. So Jesus was very much involved in the Old Testament and everything is there. So it says, the Word gave life to everything that was created. And the next part of that says, and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never, never extinguish it. So we saw this morning that it was a very, very dark time in which Jesus was born. And there had been 400 years of, of nothing. They would not heard anything from God. They, they had generations that had never experienced anything of someone knowing of a prophet who's speaking and doing this. And, and they find themselves in the darkness. So as we're doing a candlelight service tonight, I, I thought it just so appropriate for us to look at the darkness that there was and the value of light even just one little light and i believe it's going to look very coolly so i want to read the story of the christmas story to you really quick if you're following we're not going to have it up here because this is just supposed to be a story this is how the message bible in luke chapter 2 verses 1 it says and about that time caesar augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire this is the first census since he was governor of syria everyone had traveled had to travel to his own ancestral home to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judea, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, Joseph was a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn, and she wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in any of the inns. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood, so nearby, the, and they'd set watches over their sleep. So some of them are sleeping, and some of them are, are staying up, making sure there's no animals coming there. And we kind of looked at that this morning, just a little bit. That they're working the night shift, and it's completely dark. And it's not like now that you see some distant street lights, or you see the, the skyline of it all lit up, and all this stuff. But They're out there, and it's pretty much just these little tiny stars that are in there. And if you've ever been camping, and you love going out there, and you see the stars, and maybe you go out in the country, and you see all that stuff, it's just really cool to see that. But all of a sudden, the whole sky is filled with angels, and the brightness that would be there, just like, bam, it's going on. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed all around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everyone. Everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is the Messiah. 
and the Master. Now, the Jews had been looking all their lives for the Messiah to come. And and many of them still today don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they're still looking for the Messiah. But can you imagine being out in that field and all of a sudden there is this huge angel and it's just filling with light and the glory of God is just shining all around there. And he says, the Messiah has come. He has been born tonight. At once, the angel was joined with a huge angelic choir singing God's praises, singing glory to God in the high heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on the earth who please him. And the, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let us go to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. So again, I, I like to always say, put yourself in the Bible. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They're just out there minding their own business. They're out there just doing what they know to do that they did every day of their life, that they will probably do every day of the rest of their lives. And in the middle of it, it is interrupted with an angel talking about the Messiahs born in a nearby town. They're like, forget the sheep. Let's go see this. This is the main attraction. Verse 16 says, They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, can you imagine? I mean, again, putting yourself in the Bible. Here, they're running to Bethlehem, and they're trying to find where it is. Don't you think the first place you'd go, if they didn't give them very much instruction there, the first place you'd go is like all the hotels. Like, hey, is the Messiah born here? What? What are you talking about? No, we don't have any room. Go, get out of here. Go into the next one. Hey, hey, is the Messiah was born? Was there a baby born here? No, get out of here. We don't have any room. And then they just kept going from place to place to place. Don't you imagine they were on a scavenger hunt extraordinaire? I mean, it's like the amazing race. Even in that, they're just going from place to place to place, trying to find where this baby is born. I don't imagine there are that many babies born on Christmas Eve, as it will come to know, but. Imagine them finding place to place to place. This wasn't just some small feat that they did. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. Now seeing was believing and they told everyone they met what the angels had said about the child. And all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. But Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear and deep within her. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had seen and heard. And it turned out exactly the way they'd been told. And I love that last line, that it turned out exactly how they'd been told. Because isn't that what we saw this morning of Mary? The angel appears to her and says, hey, you're going to become pregnant with a baby that's from God. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. Even as you have said this, let it be. I I can't even fathom this, but I'm willing to go out on a limb and trust you. The angels saw, uh, the the sheep herders saw the the angels. And they're like, hey, we're going to go see what it is that God is talking about. And it happened just as they saw. But I want you to look at it. When we see that in the beginning was the word. We looked at that pretty significantly this morning. But when we see that in the beginning was the word and we see that Jesus was the word, 
I want us to go back and look at the very first time we see in the beginning. So if you will, go to, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The first words in the Bible are also in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. See, we looked at this morning darkness in our lives and depression. We saw George Bailey in the movie that we saw on a movie night this past Wednesday. And the, the sadness that he had and just depression was gripping him. And we find that many times we are still left in darkness. But even with the earth being formless and empty and void, another translation says, darkness covers. And it's just that depressing thing of, hey, it all didn't work out. And many scholars believe that there's this whole other world between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 because you don't create something, the heavens and the earth, and it becomes formless and, with, and void. And it's got something missing. And even the actual text kind of hints that there's destruction that's left, just like as if there was an atomic bomb that was dropped. And just the wasteland that is left there is kind of what the scene that is described there in Genesis 1-2. But even in the darkness... It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. And I just want to tell you today, that tonight, that even sometimes when we find darkness in our lives, and we looked at some points, some practical points this morning, as to how to deal with darkness that comes into our lives. But can I just suggest to you that when we find darkness, the Spirit of God is still hovering there. The Spirit of God is just hovering over the surface just looking for faith. Just looking for somebody that'll say, hey, I believe what you said. I believe your word. Verse 3 says, then God said, this is the first time God spoke, let there be light. And there was light. The first words that God spoke were, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. Now, sanctified reasoning just a little bit here. When God speaks, everything moves. Everything just shifts. Just bam. It didn't, it didn't take time. It wasn't just like a gradual thing. It was like, boom. It just happened like that. And, and I just want to think, as, as I was reading through this and studying this last night, that when God said, let there be light, there was light everywhere. There was no place that there wasn't light. And then it says, he separated the light from the darkness. So then he created a separation. So there's not just light all the time, but then there's the darkness. Now we have a night and day. And God called the light day, and he called the the darkness night. And the evening passed, and the morning came the very first time, marking the first day. But can I show you again that the earth was covered in darkness. And the first words spoken by God are, let there be light. I want to remind you what we looked at this morning. That this was the darkest time in history right before Jesus was born. Nearly 400 years of darkness, of not hearing from God, and people just kind of just sliding into the doldrums, just putting one foot in front of the other, just existing, just, there's really no purpose, just, we got to just 
we're going to do the same thing all of our lives and we're going to die and we're going to have children and they're going to live and do the same thing they're going to do their entire life and then they're going to die and this goes on and on and it can become like there's no purpose there's nothing there's no reason to keep on going just here we go it was politically dark because the Romans had occupied and governed Israel. They, they couldn't even make their own choices when it comes to government and what they wanted to do and policies that they wanted to do. As we looked this morning again and last week, it was relationally dark for Mary and Joseph. They hear they had made the hard decision to obey God, to do what God asked them to do. And now everybody thinks that they had a relations outside of marriage that she got pregnant outside of marriage. And there's a stigma that's now on them, that's stamped on them. It says, you're a reject. You did it wrong. And sometimes people will still do that today. They'll judge you and they'll judge me and they'll stamp us with this, this stamp that just says, you're this. They put a label on you and go, bam, that's who you are. And it was dark seasonally. We talked about this morning that Christmas that we celebrate is at the darkest time of the year as well. It's right after the, the winter solstice starts on December the 21st, where it's the longest day. And the, the time that it's just the darkest, that the sun is the least here. And, and when I traveled on the road, we went to Alaska, of course. We were there during the summer. Thank you, Jesus. And it was 24 hours a day that the sun was up for that short period of time. But then they would all tell us about the season of, of the year that's more prevalent, that it's mostly dark. And can I tell you, it was really depressing when you're just in darkness all the time. And you just get a little bit of light just going on. Every time we get a house or we look at an apartment, we're looking at one right now. My wife is always looking at how many windows they have in there and how much light it can let in. And I'm looking for how many curtains I'm going to have to put that I can pull down so the light doesn't come in because we're different. We're opposites in that way. But can you imagine just living in that darkness all the time. You know, we bless Lenore and I to have four children. And, and growing up, and maybe you can relate to this as well, that, that going to sleep, you don't necessarily want it to be dark in the child's room. Because if you turn that light switch off, immediately their fears come to life and maybe they watched a cartoon they shouldn't have and all of a sudden they're scared and and they've got this going on and they want the light left on. And and I I just want some light left in this room. And you walk over this little tiny thing that only like maybe uses a penny a day in light and you flip on that little tiny light and all the monsters go away. All the fear is just subdued that... All of the mist grows back under the bed. And that little tiny light that any other time during the day, you can't even tell if it's on. That little tiny light changes everything. Jesus says in John 12, verse 46, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world. Jesus said he came as a light. So even when he was born, it was in the darkest time of history. And he comes as a light. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to live in the dark. Jesus says, hey, I've got the night light you can turn on. I've got the the candles that can be... I am the light for you. 
This is why we celebrate Christmas with lights. Why we put trees and we put lights on it and makes it so colorful. Jesus says, I am the light. It really is amazing what a little bit of light can do in the midst of darkness. Now, one of my favorite stories, and you hear it often, and you will continue to hear it often because it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is the, it was the main text of our very first service that we had, is Church on the Rock, is about the woman caught in adultery. It's found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And I'm just going to briefly repaint that picture and I was just talking to someone last night and, and talking about the motto of our church is no rules and no judgment. And you can see his brain just kind of like being twisted and contorted. He's like, no, there's got to be rules. And you, well, you got, you got to tell people what they got to do. And I'm like, no, you don't. I said, show me one place where there's rules. And he went to the Old Testament. I'm like, but Jesus came to fulfill that. He goes, no, but God says in love that you'll obey his commandments. I said, yeah, in love, but you'll never reach love without a relationship. And we're having this conversation back and forth. And I said, but you know what? I said, the number one place place in the Bible that it points to me that is my favorite place is the woman caught in adultery. That Jesus is in the temple. He's just teaching. It's just Tuesday for him. And he's just, he's just there doing what he does every day. And he's just pouring out and God's just God with us as we looked at last week. He's just telling everybody about the Father. And the people who are trying to trip him up, bring this woman they said they caught in the very act of having adultery. They bring her in and they throw her at Jesus' feet. And if you've heard me tell the story, I believe she was either naked or really close to being naked because they're just trying to make this huge sensational thing. And they're trying to put Jesus in a corner because if, they, if he says, no, we're not going to follow the law, then they've got him. They're going to say, aha, see, you're not really God's messenger. You're really not God's son because you're not even following the law of Moses. Gotcha. And if he says, no, we're going to stone her, then they're going to say, look, he's a murderer. He preaches all this stuff. They've got him in a corner, and this is what they've done. And I, I personally believe they knew the girl they could go to and, and, and pay her to, to be with the guy to catch, and they had her set up. Man, I believe it was a big conspiracy. Yes, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And here she is, ripped up from the middle of having the most intimate act, dragged through the city, into church of all places, in front of everybody, and thrown down at the feet of Jesus, who undoubtedly she'd heard of. Maybe she'd even sat in some of his meetings before. And they're saying, she deserves to die. What do you say? That's a pretty bad day for her. That's a whole lot of darkness going on in her life because she sees her life vanishing in front of her face. She's seen people stoned to death, undoubtedly. That was the method of execution for the law. If someone is caught in sin, you have to do this. And so here she is, and I believe personally that she was probably in the fetal position, and she was just like, just all wrapped up in that. You know the story that Jesus stopped and he knelt down. He started writing in the, in the dirt. And we don't know what he wrote. I want to know what he wrote. We don't know what he wrote. But said, 
from the oldest all the way down to the youngest, starting with the oldest. They looked and saw what he was writing, and they turned and walked out the door. They walked out the back. And he stood up. He goes, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. So he put them in this quandary of putting it back on them. Then he knelt down and kept writing. And many scholars and people believe that Jesus was writing down their sins, or maybe he's writing down their mistresses, or maybe he was, he was definitely giving them something to think about because he had all of this momentum that they had for killing this young lady, they left. So where they'd spent probably money, where they spent all this time and this planning, it all backfired. And, and rather than just kind of like, uh, they're all walking out the back door. And then Jesus turns to her and says, woman, where are your accusers? And I don't believe she was standing behind Jesus just like, yeah, look at y'all. What are y'all doing? I believe she was like, fear for her life. And she just kind of leans up and looks. And she goes, they're on here, Lord. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 8, verse 11. Is him telling her to go and sin no more. But have you ever looked at the next verse after that? Because honestly, I've seen it, but I never connected the two. John chapter 8, verse 12 Jesus said, when Jesus spoke to the people again, so the next time he had an opportunity, his next words are, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. Jesus is pointing like the the woman at the well. He's like, look guys, the darkness that she was in, the freedom that she found in me as her light, that I came in as a light that changed her world. The same way, whoever follows me will never walk in that darkness again. And we know that her life was so radically changed that it's believed that she is the woman at the garden who found the tomb and was there and saw the angel. And that whole story, we believe that she was the most devoted follower, that she was with Jesus through thick and thin after that as she wasn't giving up on anything. Jesus said, look what I did for her. That's what is available to you. And I can do it in you. See, Jesus comes to us and says, I have light for your emotions. Those emotions that are just giving you some trouble. Those emotions that are giving you problems. Those emotions that are like, I don't know what to do. I can't control how I think. He says, I have light for your job. I have light for your marriage. I have light for your health. I have light for your kids. I have light for you, for every situation that darkness is trying to find its way in for you. But it doesn't just stop there. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Then God said, Jesus said, This is who you are. You are light. 
And I think it's interesting that we see from the very, very first words that we see of Jesus and uh, God in the beginning, Genesis 1, 3, the very first words he says is, let there be light. When Jesus was with the woman caught in adultery and, and her life is spared and her life is changed, he says, I am the light. There's darkness all around us. God's still saying today, let there be light. Now, looked up the word let after listening to a message that's, that's kind of inspiring a lot of what, what I have here. And you know what it means? Definition number five from Webster's means to permit to enter. Webster's Dictionary says, definition number five, to permit to enter. Can I suggest to you that even today that Jesus is still here as the light of the world and he's there for our darkness? And God is still saying, let there be light. But another place in the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm standing here knocking. Are you going to answer? Are you going to permit me to enter in? The only thing we have to do to get out of darkness the darkness that you're in is just simply give God permission. Give Jesus permission to enter in. So when he says, let there be light, you just have to give him permission to come into your life. It really is that easy. Don't let this year just be about celebrating Christmas. That we have all the, the marketplace hype and all the commercials and all the, the wonderful cheer and all the, the, all the things that are going on. But don't let it just be about that. How about this year we experience Christmas? That this year we actually let there be light in our life. I want you to experience it. Now, we have all these candles here. We've already lit them to, to have a beautiful backdrop to everything. And, and we're passing out the candles in just one second. In the moment, this room is going to get pretty dark. You're, you're going to just see the, the tiny light of this and the lights of, the, of the, the tree. And, you know, sometimes it's not comfortable to be in the dark. And I already talked about, you know, with the kids and how when you're there in the darkness and you shut the light off to go to sleep and they're like, I don't want the light on, I want the light on, and that whole thing. But it, it could even be disorienting at times. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. But can I tell you, from this single candle that everyone has, we're now going to light each other's. But I want us to remember a couple of things. Number one, the darkness is in our life. And we all have things of darkness in our lives. We all have the things that are trying to shut out the light of God. That we have to give permission for him to come in. The other thing is, God, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he said it right after he just set the woman free. It was the next verse. Isn't that crazy? He says, I am the light of the world. But then he, like we are right now, I believe he turned and he lit another candle and he says, but now you 
or the light of the world. So I want us to turn off all the lights. And we're going to start going one by one, and then we're going to sing a couple of Christmas songs, and we're going to be done. But you know, this has the great potential. And if there's thousands of people in here, there'd be thousands and thousands more of the, the lights that there would be. But it also has the potential to be absolutely nothing if all of us chose not to do it. See, I could walk over to you and try and put my candle to you to light yours, and if you don't do it, nothing's going to happen in your life. If you have it and you, you turn to someone else and say, here, here, I've got a light, let me help you out, and they don't do it, nothing's going to happen in their lives. See, remember the number five definition is, let there, you have to get permission to enter. That Jesus is sitting here and says, I am the light. I'm standing here and I want to let you in. I want, I want you to let me in. I want to help you with everything in your life. I have a plan for you. Will you let me? Will you let me? So we're going to light the candles now. We're going to sing a couple of songs. Lenore, will you bring your candle up here?